It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and wherever you get your podcast from on this Sunday morning, and welcome to it. It is July the 16th for 2023, and coming up this morning, we have seven days of real estate. It's a little bit of a look back over the last uh, week that we've had. Plenty of guests, plenty of talking subjects, including on Monday we spoke to Julia Warren from Geelong about the better value offered by comparison to Melbourne and plenty of Melbournians still investing in Geelong. We spoke with Chris Sherry from Sydney about the current Sydney auction market and some of the numbers which at the moment are looking pretty good it would have to be said for Sydney sellers. We also spoke this week to Eliza Owen from CoreLogic about their monthly housing chart pack providing plenty of insights into the residential property market so a lot of information there and we spoke with Arjun Paliwell from Investigate Buyers Agency who has conducted a study focusing on Sydney's sub-regions to identify three undersupplied areas that offer a lower entry price point for investors. So that is all coming up and is part of our Sunday morning next. We are more than just a real estate podcast. We cover a multitude of subjects, including property data, current buyer-seller sentiment and the mood of the market. Follow each week all of the main talking points and know your property. Well, if you're celebrating your birthday today for July the 16th, uh, many happy returns. You are sharing it with Anchorman. Yes, Will Farrell is on the birthday calls, turning 56 years young today. Corey Feldman is turning 52. And Stuart Copeland, the drummer from the band The Police, he is turning 71. It's the main centre forecast. And around the country, let's check on our all-important weather words. And in Sydney, cloudy with a possible late shower. I think a 40% chance of that happening today. 19 is your forecast high. Melbourne should be mainly cloudy, little bit of sunshine and 15 degrees for you. Brisbane, it should be mainly dry and fine with 24 And in Perth, the blue skies are out again today and expecting a high of 19. Navigate the world of real estate like a pro with expert insights, opinions and trends to up your game and knowledge when buying your next property. There seems to be a different feeling in the air at the moment. There's a bit more confidence out there than there was earlier in the year. So there's still a really, really high volume of people looking, which is great. Yeah, that is good. And just having a look at uh, traditionally, the people that are moving into Geelong, it's always been very heavily influenced by Melbournians moving in. Is that still the case? Definitely still the case. I would say comfortably 60 to 70% of people we're meeting on a Saturday aren't local. And whether that means they're coming from within 30 minutes or within two hours away, but still a very high volume of Melbourne people. I think regardless of the environment, we've noticed that still Geelong 
long is better value in terms of what you get down here. And a lot of people are still moving down from Melbourne. Oh, for sure. That's the that's mm. the primary reason they're moving there for the dollar value and what they're getting. And in mm. terms of the investors, the investors would be driving the market too out of Melbourne, I would suspect. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the rental returns that you're still getting in Geelong here, there's investors of notice, particularly because the market has calmed down. There's some great opportunity considering the rental demand is still very high. For example, I had someone yesterday from Melbourne who bought an investment in the area that the locals not particularly have love, but the investors gone, well, the return's great, a set and forget, off we go, and they're from Melbourne. So they're coming in with a pretty unbiased opinion on different pockets of Geelong as well. What about first home buyers? Tell us a little bit about what's happening in the market because I noted that you sold something quite recent and it was advertised as a possible knockdown and redevelopment site, but it sold for just over $612,000 and it was a first home buyer and they ain't knocking it down. <laughs> no, I think the first home buyers, they're not as spoilt for choice with their options in terms of renovations or uh, rebuilds in terms of their limited budgets. So, uh, yeah, it was a really great positioned home, but it certainly had its challenges uh, in terms of its the state that it was in. Uh, but yeah, these first home buyers who had locally rented in the area for many years, loved the spot and uh, decided that they could stick it out and do a bit of a, a very simple update to make it livable. And then in the future, potentially do some renovations. But that first home buying market, obviously, you know, their selection really is the stuff that needs a lot of work in a premium area or out of town into a newer estate, um, into a, you know, you sort of your Metricon number. So, um, I think these guys were very smart in their decision. It's sort of that short-term pain, long-term gain because of the location. But um, first-home buyers certainly performing the most timid in terms of work, but these guys were happy to pull the sleeves up and get stuck into it, which is great to see. <laughs> From first-time home buyers to seasoned investors to breaking property news, discover the stories behind the real estate. Yeah, certainly are seeing a spike. Um, generally, at least one of those buyers registered at each of our auctions uh, is generally an expat or someone living abroad looking at purchasing in this Sydney marketplace currently, which is really strong figures. It's interesting to see and it's great to see and it's certainly given the market a bit of a boost and more confidence as well. Yeah, it's quite interesting with the uh, Americans because a recent Knight Frank report just sort of highlighted how many of these Americans are investors and spending plenty of money in Sydney. Well, yeah, it's certainly, it just makes sense. Sydney Marketplace, if you look at over many years, the capital growth and the yields in Sydney, if you're holding on to it for longer than four to five years time frame, you're making some good money on it and you always will continue to make money in Sydney on the Sydney Marketplace. So it's a smart move for them to be making um, and, and they've seen the statistics and that's why I, I truly believe that if you're looking to invest, the Sydney market is the place to be investing. Well, let's have a look. Talking about exchanges, let's have a look right now at clearance rates because last weekend I see that it was sitting at 74%. You compare that same time last year, 54 That tells a bit of a story. 
Yeah, it certainly does. Um, as I said last year, because there was so much more stock anywhere sitting between 500 to 1,000 per month, roughly around 250 per weekend, which is a significant number of more properties, the clearance rates are really strong at the currently. So as a business, uh, we were 79% at the same time last year to what they were at 54% as an average. However, as an average currently for the year to date for our business, we're still sitting over 80% and the industry from year to date for 2023 is sitting just over 70%. So either way you look at it, anything in the 70% range is a great marketplace. Anything over 80% is an extraordinary marketplace. So you're seeing great figures out there. Now, you talked about selling for over-reserve. Domain reported that at the weekend in Melbourne, an auction experienced a, shall we say, a hesitant start as bidders seemed very, very reluctant to make the first move. Not uncommon when it comes to an auction. Then an interesting thing took place. The auctioneer deliberately made it awkward and didn't say anything. He just went, Dead quiet. Still nothing, all quiet on the ground. Nobody wanted to kick off the bidding. Eventually, somebody broke the ice with a bid, which was at the lower end of the price range. However, the property managed to surpass its reserve price to what you're saying and was sold to a local buyer $57,000 over reserve. Yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting strategy at the moment. I'm seeing a lot of these buyers, whether you're on a property of $500,000 or whether you're talking of a property of even the $10, $10 million plus properties, all the buyers are very silent at the moment at starting auctions. As soon as we ask for an opening bid or offer, no one wants to talk. So it comes down to skill set, it comes down to experience, and it certainly comes down to a strategy that you've got employed by yourself and the agent to be able to strategize around that because we're certainly seeing if you've got lack of experience out there in the auction world or even an agent world, it's going to be quite difficult for you to be able to get it across the line. But once we see we can crack that and whether we start significantly lower where the guide is or whether we start right on the guide, depending on again on, on that strategy and how many registered buyers you have, uh, we are certainly seeing some tremendous results, whether it's $100,000, whether it's even $300,000, $400,000 over reserve. Um, and it comes down to that property, whether it's a development site or whether it's just one of those homes that ticks all the boxes and doesn't have anything wrong with it and there's many people fighting for it. To be able to have the quality home in a tremendous location, it is superior at the moment and people know that and people will fight for it and they'll pay a lot over in the event that there's some healthy competition. Don't navigate the real estate market alone. Let us help guide you in the world of real estate every day. Make better informed decisions with the latest news and insights. Yeah, so this is definitely reaffirming the recovery in property values. That 2.8% lift was the highest quarterly increase we've seen since January 2022. So that is, of course, before the cash rate started to rise. And over the past three months, that growth has been strongest in Sydney at 4.9%. We're still seeing a little bit of weakness in regional Victoria that had one of the weaker results down 1.3%. But aside from a, a, you know, a handful of, of markets, most of the regional and capital cities are in that upswing phase now. And just having a look at the combined capital cities dwelling market value, now that increased by 1.2% in June. What else happened around the combined capital cities? 
Yeah, so the combined capitals market is definitely leading the upswing, up 1.2% in the month of June compared to just 0.5% across the regions. And a lot of that has to do with the post-lockdown migration trends, where more people are moving from regions to capital cities, the return of overseas migration is seeing housing demand skewed to capital cities. So really, we're seeing a bit of a normalising in migration patterns compared to what we saw through the COVID period. And as mentioned, that's seeing a lot of strength in Sydney, but also Brisbane, which was up 3% in the quarter, Perth up 2.8%. And aside from Darwin, each of the capital cities has increased on a quarterly basis. And over the past financial year, Australian home values, now they declined by 5.3%. What did your report tell us in the regional South Australia dwelling market? And also talk to the Hobart market, because I think that made a bit of a comment in your report, maybe for not all of the right reasons. Yeah, so the Hobart market has seen a decline of about 13% over the past year, despite showing a recovery in values in recent months. Hobart is seeing a turn in market conditions after what was really a very large and extended upswing in value for much of the late 2010s and through COVID. So if you ask me, this downturn in the Hobart market was really a long time coming. We're seeing a lot of surplus in listings sitting on the market, and it really is a buyer's opportunity at the moment. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got regional South Australia leading growth over the past year. While most Australian housing markets were down year on year, regional SA was up 8.7%. So perhaps a bit surprising, um, the South Australian market has traditionally been more of a slow, steady performer, but through the past three years, it's just absolutely seen all of this value unleashed. Probably a hangover from the COVID period where we've seen the normalisation of remote work, um, holiday accommodation, sea change, tree change markets, and South Australia is particularly affordable, so it's really reaped a lot of the benefits from that COVID cycle. Yeah, it's just the darling at the moment. It seems to be competing with the Sunshine Coast, you know, going toe to toe. Yeah, absolutely. I think this market has really been transformed and with people having more freedom to work remotely and now, of course, travel and and explore these different areas, uh, I think people are really getting the value out of that. Mm. And June, now that saw an estimated 35,523 property sales nationwide. Where did that land in terms of the five-year average and does it tell us anything about the stabilising market? Yeah, so interestingly, sales volumes have continued to, you know, they're lower than where they were in the highs of 2021. You've had about 35,000 sales over June, and that's a little bit lower than the historic five-year average, which is closer to 40,000. But if we look at the broader trend, because looking at sales month on month on month on month, it can be quite volatile. The broader trend suggests that sales volumes are actually stabilizing. They're flattening out. And that points to, uh, I guess, a a broad kind of stabilizing in market conditions more generally. It's reflected in days on market where the stabilizing in sales volumes has coincided with slightly better selling conditions. 
particularly in the capital cities where properties are now taking about 29 days to sell at the median level. And that's lower than 30 days uh, in the first quarter of the year. Have you missed one of our episodes? We have over 500 episodes of powerful real estate interviews, market analysis, predictions and trends. Whatever you are looking for, you'll find it right here. Uncover these areas with potential for affordable growth in Sydney. What many people underestimate is that it's easy to call the city of Sydney just Sydney, but in fact, uh, with the population of now crossing 5 million, there is far more to it when it comes to how many different subregions there are. And in the data used for this activity, we looked at different components. One was the actual price, because at the end of the day, dollars are getting tougher to borrow, so naturally the price is a key component. And when we reviewed prices across Australia, we did something called cutting the data up by quintiles, so five different areas of price points. And it's clear that there is more demand in the last 12 months with sales volumes occurring in price points at a lower quintile, the entry level, because naturally the sales volumes lifted there where the sales volumes actually fell off in some of our more premium areas. So I think that's kind of what we saw over the last 12 months. So that was a key part. Lastly, we looked at supply conditions, both for rent, construction, and sale. And then we also saw the trends changing. So that was kind of what made up those trends, those supply conditions, and also the actual heat of buying in quintiles that made us look at the price points and divide Sydney up a little bit more. All right. So let's have a little bit of excitement uh, on our Friday morning. What particularly excites you about these three areas in terms of investment opportunities? Yeah, well, maybe deep dive into one of them for a more deeper view. And then uh, the other two follow much the same. But let's take a look at Central Coast. So Central Coast is houses for sale. And listing levels are always an important factor because they've kept the lid on price movements in the downwards direction when it comes to what's happened over the last sort of 12 months with interest rates. Now, Central Coast prices firstly did dip back and you could have suburbs going back between 8 up to 14% even in the last 12 months of price decline. So when you see that, you could almost say there's been an adjustment already in some of these markets. The second thing is listings for sale, when you go back to sort of peak numbers in the last sort of five years, we're around sort of 3,000 houses for sale back in 2019. And currently, there's about 1,800 houses for sale. So you can see those pre-COVID numbers to now, there's still a shortage. Now, is it as deep as the shortage of 2021, where it reached a bottom of 1,194 houses for sale? No, we are well above that. And that's why prices came off. But the supply, instead of trending up, which it did do the whole way from September 21 to about November 22, since November 22, these cities or subregions I've shared with you have been seeing most of their supply conditions decline. So all this stuff about interest rates rising, it had its peak scare, peak impact, cycle shift in the first six months in some of these markets. But in the last six months, instead of seeing a flood of listings, they've actually contained themselves. And that's why prices are recovering in these three regions quite quickly. The final thing to share is this the job market. The job market in these three areas, mainly the southwest and western Sydney, is exploding with opportunities, pipeline of jobs, and lots of infrastructure in the pipeline. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 